Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week. The next 30 minutes will be full of the latest information from Indiana's most important industry, agriculture. I'm farm broadcaster Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. And I'm C.J. Miller. On today's show, new leadership for the Purdue College of Agriculture. Also, how Purdue is collaborating with Huntington University on a dual ag degree program. And how professional chefs are getting creative with Indiana pork. We'll also get the latest Indiana farm forecast from Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. And Andy Eubank is here to discuss the week that was in the grain markets. Let's begin in Argentina. If you've been following grain market trends lately, you know the impact South American weather is having on futures prices. Argentina is in the midst of a three-year drought, with this year being the worst. Hoosier farmers with the Indiana Soybean Alliance are in Argentina now, going on farm and farm facility tours. You know, some of the people that we've talked to that have been in the industry a long time are looking at least a 40% decrease in in production. That's Hendricks County farmer Mark Legan, an ISA director on the trip. He says the crops are late and there's still planting happening in Argentina. Comparatively, Legan says this would be about the end of July in Indiana's growing season. They should be setting a lot of pods on the soybean plants. The corn should be tasseling, you know, about the tallest corn we've seen is knee high or or maybe, uh, you know, waist high. And so they're, they're hurting. There's no doubt about that. Legan adds that corn and soybeans aren't the only crops that have suffered. The winter wheat crop was basically a failure. Uh, a lot of it did not even get harvested or wasn't worth bringing combine through. In addition to farm tours, Indiana Soybean Alliance directors have toured the facilities of GDM, an ag tech company specializing in plant genetics, as well as Status Company, a sister company of Purdue Ag Alumni Seed in Buenos Aires. In a call with reporters Wednesday, the farmer said there were many takeaways from the trip. Marshall County's Joe Stoller told us. One thing I noticed was just how little technology some of the equipment that we saw had. Um, I think we've seen one or two tractors in the field with auto steer globes, you know, on top of the roof where at home that's kind of pretty common anymore. Others commented as well about the, quote, well-used equipment with many hours on them. With the production woes due to drought, many farmers don't have the money necessary to replace equipment at this time, leading to fears of having to step away from farming. Improving soil health and water conservation. That's a goal of a new ag leader at the state house. C.J. Miller has the story. I farmed for 33 years in South Porter County, so I have a pretty good idea what the business is all about. And that's State Representative Mike Aylesworth, who represents the 11th House District in northwestern Indiana. He's also the new chair of the Indiana House Agriculture and Rural Development Committee. Aylesworth says one of his top priorities is improving soil tilth and water conservation across the state. I just see uh, around in my own area, and when I farmed, farmers weren't very careful about doing tillage in the fall and that exposed the raw soil to winter rains and runoff. As a result of that, the soil gets away from the farms and we're losing topsoil at an alarming rate. And uh, after all, we're interested in food security in this country, and it's very important to keep the topsoil where it's at. That's why Ellsworth says he's written a bill to tackle that issue. A Water Development Commission bill that allows other areas of the state by uh, watershed area 
to form their watershed commission. One of the goals is to look at topsoil erosion with watershed protection. Uh, that's one of our biggest problems is uh, ag runoff, and we, we need to do a better job of that, keeping uh, soil out of our streams. Among the other policies impacting rural development is increased accessibility to broadband. Although Aylesworth says he wants to see broadband readily available in all parts of the state, he adds it's going to take some time. It's just a very expensive process, and I like it to the late 1930s when electricity was brought to rural America through the Rural Electrification Act in 1935. And our farm, for instance, we didn't get electricity where I live and where I'm the trustee of until the early 1940s. It takes a good number of years because it's so expensive. But the long-term goal is to get everybody on broadband. You can hear more of my interview with Indiana House Ag Chair Mike Ellsworth at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm C.J. Miller. All right, C.J., thanks. Indiana farmers will be featured in two upcoming meetings focused on forage. Our Elise Koning is here now to tell you about those meetings. The first is the annual meeting of the Indiana Forage Council on February 9th. It takes place in Columbus at Kloss of America. Alicia Rogers, Indiana Forage Council president, says two hay producers who won top awards with the Hoosier Hay Contest will present. So Brock Kiesler and Matt Tobias will be talking about production because they're both fairly decent-sized or large-sized hay producers. And then some of the harvest and marketing strategies they use to help produce the high-quality hay. The meeting also includes a tour of the Kloss Parts Facility. So it's really a great opportunity for forage enthusiasts from across Indiana to kind of come together and network and hear from others and see kind of what's going on in the industry. Another gathering for forage enthusiasts is the Heart of America Grazing Conference February 20th through 21st at the Ferdinand Community Center. Jason Tower is the superintendent of the Southern Indiana Purdue Agricultural Center. He says local, state, and national speakers will discuss topics such as soil testing, grazing management plans, and hay storage. One session features local producers with unique approaches to forages and grazing. Danielle and Aaron Walker uh, from Washington County, our sheep producers, are going to talk about their operation. Uh, Ronnie Bain is from Spencer County, and he is a custom grazier with cow-calf operations. We're going to talk about custom grazing and managed grazing. And then uh, Devin Churchill is from Harrison County. Uh, he and his father run a, a cow-calf operation and have made big improvements to their farm through managed grazing, so they're going to share, share their stories with us. Registration due dates for both events are coming up soon, so find more information at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Elise Koning. Thank you, Elise. Let's shift our attention now from farm news to the farm markets. And for that, I welcome in Andy Eubank. Hello, Andy. Hello, Eric. And after a nice run up on Thursday, the markets ended mostly lower on Friday. Settlements from Friday trade coming up. First market analysis, I secured that in the middle of Friday trade. From Brian Basting at Advanced Trading. Brian, a mostly lower day throughout the day, although corn worked both sides of unchanged on Friday. But leading to the downside was the soybean market after a nice move on Thursday. What do you make of the sell-off? You had some good rains overnight, Thursday night, Friday morning, Andy, across soybeans in Argentina. Those beans have been suffering from dry weather for several months now, but that that weather pattern appears to be changing a bit anyway. Uh, during the month of January, had much more rainfall, and now this um, rain uh, overnight again, and now they're calling for some more rain next week. 
across those areas again in Argentina, which have been dry. So, yeah, just enough to uh, the weather market as we begin to wrap up January here, enough to definitely weigh on the market a bit. How long does that uh, continue that we pay such attention to Argentina? And we had some Indiana farmers there this week who reported some pretty bad looking crops in the areas they visited. Yeah, just a couple things I'd remind your listeners of, of Andy, is that yes, uh, there's no doubt that um, uh, there has been some some uh, probably irreversible loss. Although I, with beans, it's it's uh, it's not quite the same as it is with corn. Probably definitely some irreversible first corn, early planted corn losses here due to the hot dry weather in Argentina. But remind your listeners, we're still trading above fifteen dollars a bushel in March futures for beans, and so some of that's built in. But um, the other thing that, that's important important to remember, Andy, is that really the pond set and pot fill stage, if you will, is February. The beans in, in Argentina in late January are about proximate to Midwest beans in late July. I would say the next six weeks. Take stretch that into the double crop beans all the way the first half of March. So you don't make or break a crop in Argentina in January, but you do in February. Brian Basting there, Advanced Trading Economist at Advanced Trading. 309-664-2314, his number. On the hat, Friday farm market review. Very flat in corn, trying to work both sides of unchanged and finish that way. March up a half cent, 683. Unchanged May, 680. Beans down all day long. March, 1509 and a half, 14 cents lower. May down a dime and a quarter at 1504 and a half. And Chicago Chicago wheat March contract 750, a loss of two and a half cents. The meats mixed April live cattle 160.82, up 30 cents. April lean hogs down 55 cents, settling at 86.45. You are up to date now on the markets. I'm Andy Eubank. This is Who's Your Ag This Week. Hey, Indiana farmers. You know that when it comes to corn success, it's yield first and everything else second. And in 2022 independent trials, Dairyland Seed brought the yield like no other all across the Hoosier state. We're talking 11 top five finishes, eight top three finishes, and three first place finishes. So when you're making the critical decision on what to plant this year, look no further than the seed proven to outperform. Dairyland Seed. Find the corn hybrids bringing the most yield in your area at dairylandseed.com. Our weather pattern a little bit unsettled over the weekend. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Weekend Weather Outlook. And this weekend weather outlook has a little bit of winter in it overall as we see a few rounds of scattered snow shower activity this past week uh, brought us close to the biggest snowfall of the season so far just depending on where you were at uh, it was disappointing in some areas of the state as snow ratios just never materialized but still it feels like and looks like winter across a large part of the state we have a clipper system that started to push into the area overnight last night it's going to be exiting the region here today but still probably giving us a little bit of scattered light snow and flurry action at least to start then we take a break through the heart of your saturday before another wave of moisture comes through overnight tonight into tomorrow that wave is going to have its biggest snow potential up north over michigan but i'm going to allow for scattered snow showers statewide from sunset or this evening 
on through the entirety of the day tomorrow, winding down probably in the afternoon, and we see the precipitation end from northwest to southeast. Coating to an inch or two of snow is what I think we have coming, and we're looking at coverage around 80% of the Hoosier State when all is said and done. The uh, cool air is going to dominate then all the way through this week. This is an Arctic air mass that's on the move. Arctic high pressure building first into the northern plains and upper Midwest, then settling in over us. I think we keep clouds around through Monday, and those clouds can give us another flurry or two, but nothing substantial. And then the rest of this week, I think this cold Arctic high keeps precipitation farther south. There's a very active precipitation track coming out of Texas and Oklahoma and going east through Arkansas, boot heel of Missouri, but everything's staying mostly south of the Ohio River, the Tennessee Valley, the deep south picking up some good rains and precipitation this week, but we stay dry, very cold, but dry here over the Hoosier State. Now you get into this coming weekend, there is a little clipper system that wants to move through the Great Lakes, so Michigan can see some snow Saturday into Sunday. The cloud cover offshoots from that do likely get down into northern Indiana, but I don't think there's a lot of precipitation that's going to be coming our way. The cold Arctic air does reinforce itself as we finish out next weekend, and I think we start the week of the 6th with well below normal temperatures as well. However, we are seeing signs back to the west, of some moderation, entire western half of the country on the 6th is starting to warm up dramatically, and I think that's going to set the stage for that warming to come this way as well. It probably takes to the middle of the week, so anywhere from 10 to 15 days worth of very cold air here, and then we can see those temperatures modify just a little bit. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Let's face it, nobody likes to compromise. When it comes to your soybean fields, you shouldn't have to choose between powerful weed control and keeping your crops safe from stress and injury. Thankfully, there's Tendovo, a broad-spectrum pre-emergence herbicide formulated to fight weeds without sacrificing crop safety, delivering a higher potential yield for your fields. Tendovo, raising the pre-emergence bar one clean row at a time. Always read and follow label directions. Please check with your local extension service to ensure registration status. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. Purdue's College of Agriculture has had a major shakeup at the top in recent weeks. Dr. Karen Plout was promoted and became the university's new executive vice president for research. Ken Foster, a longtime ag econ professor at Purdue, was named the interim dean earlier this month. Foster told Hoosier Ag Today that the opportunity to lead one of the top-ranked ag colleges in the country and the world is humbling. You know, I grew up on a small farm in Indiana and came to Purdue as an undergraduate student and fortunately there's some professors there who showed me that there is a career in academia and here I find myself, but it's an exciting job too. I mean, there's just so many things going on in all the different disciplines. They're attacking the grand challenges of humanity food insecurity, sustainability, adapting to climate change, improving the livelihoods of people, and serving our youth around the state. One task facing Foster and the college is the Indiana legislative session already underway. A priority for this session is to secure more funding to refresh the Animal Disease Diagnostic Laboratory on campus. Also on Foster's agenda. Purdue Extension is present in every county in Indiana, and the people who are serving in those roles have not had additional funding toward their salaries from the state for some time and so one of the things that we're hoping that we can do is improve the salaries, attract, continue to attract great people to those jobs because they're out there in the community 
helping to solve the community's problems. They're out there in the community working with the young people in those communities, helping them find brighter futures. And they're just a vitally important part of what we do in Purdue agriculture and a vitally important part of our state's livelihood. Next weekend, the Purdue Ag Alumni Association will welcome Boilermakers back to Tippecanoe County for their annual Purdue Ag Alumni Fish Fry. The event moved this year from the Indiana State Fairgrounds to the Tippecanoe County Fairgrounds. I'm looking forward to seeing old friends and connecting with new people and just having a good time, enjoying some good food. and. And I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, President Meng Chang has to say about agriculture. Parking is free. Tickets are $30 each. You can find a link to purchase your tickets at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, it sounds like an all-American success story. C.J. Miller reports now on how one Hoosier started building large, self-propelled sprayers on his own and grew that business into the largest manufacturer of mechanical drive sprayers in the world. So we actually started in a garage really uh, primarily with one guy with a design. And that's Chris Phillips with Ohio Valley Ag in Greensburg, one of the dealers for Apache Sprayers, which is headquartered in Mooresville in Morgan County. Equipment Technologies is the company that manufactures Apache sprayers, which were first built in nearby Johnson County more than 25 years ago. Kind of started in Trafalgar, moved over into Mooresville, probably around 98, 99 time frame with the one building. Since then, we've expanded to two buildings, so we have one manufacturing facility, and then we have a distribution facility over there as well. Chris says with the purchase of every new Apache sprayer, you're helping more than 130 Hoosiers who work for the Morgan County Company. Not only that, we, uh, Apache has a good background of using local vendors even for a lot of our parts. I've got an Apache owner that his son owns a machine shop. They do parts for Apache. What makes Apache sprayers stand out from the competition? Main difference would be the simplicity of the sprayer. We're light, we're simple. Uh, we've got a good return on investment on the sprayer. Cost of ownership is uh, very good. Resale value. Those are the main hitting points against the competition. Chris says Apache sprayers have five different models available. Four of them being a mechanical drive machine. Range from a 600 gallon to an 800 gallon, 1000 and a 1200 gallon machine. And then we also have a fifth model that is a high clearance sprayer that's actually adjustable crop clearance to get into those corn fungicide applications. How's the best way to purchase a new Indiana-made Apache sprayer? Uh, depending on where you're at, we go through dealerships across the country, but you can always get to etsprayers.com and they'll direct you to the right dealer to get you set up. You can find that link and read more at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm C.J. Miller. There are plenty of hot topics in agriculture, from inflation to policy to equipment shortage, but year over year, farmers are still most concerned with a couple of things. The weather, which we can't do a whole lot about, and weed control that we can. The main reason we brought Tough IVC to the market is to control resistant weeds. It's a whole new mode of action. That's Troy Bettner, commercial director for Belsham, the maker of Tough 5EC corn herbicide. It's not going to go away. It's only going to get worse. So it's now like what tools do we use to fight this or keep this at bay? Um, and so Tough 5EC 
we brought that to the marketplace for growers to put in their tank to help fight that resistance, get better weed control, which means better yields, better return on investment. Bettner says Tough 5EC is especially effective on pigweeds, Palmer amaranth, water hemp, common lambs quarters, and other broadleaf weeds. It's a contact herbicide with a wide application window. Tough can fit in a burn down, you know, before they're going in with their crop or as a uh, post-emergent application when they're already going through with their herbicides, putting tough in the tank. Because, you know, all the universities and all are now are saying we can we have to use multiple modes of action in a tank. It's not just one product anymore. You need multiple products going in. So it fits in their normal program. It's not a different timing at all that they're they're not used to doing. So Bring, putting tough in that new mode of action to help get better weed control is what we're talking about. If you haven't already, Bettner encourages you to be thinking about your weed control program now. He adds they have a healthy supply of tough 5EC. You've seen what escapes, um, you know, heck, weed escapes. They're throwing out half million to million seeds each plant. So you start thinking about that dissemination, that proliferation, and we're talking about a lot. So when they start thinking about their weed programs for next year is make sure tough is in that tank as part of their weed program. For more information, visit BelshamUSA.com. Like other production costs in U.S. agriculture, cash rents have climbed the last several years. Randy Dickhoot is a farmland expert with agricultural economic insights. He says cash rents usually lag behind other costs of production. Because it makes sense that there's always uncertainty about how good the year is going to be for the farmer, whether grain price, yield, and cost inputs. And it takes a while to catch up. So you kind of predict, they negotiate the rent in the fall or early winter. You don't know exactly what's going to happen the next fall when the combines roll in the field and they run it across the scales. He says strong commodity prices are pushing cash rents higher in some areas of rural America. With these good grain prices last couple of years, coming off some good cash flow years, you know, even back to 2019 and 20, or better cash flow years, in the high grain prices relatively in the last couple of years, that lag time on cash rents is starting to catch up and then they move up. Dick Hoot adds that cash rents in the next couple of years are going to depend on yields. If they're strong, rents will continue to go higher. If they're not, like out in the drought-stricken West... That will ease some of the pressure. For more information, go to AEI.ag. Agriculture Deputy Secretary Jewel Brunaud announced Thursday her intention to step away from her role at USDA, saying it's time for her to spend more time with her family. You can read more on this story and find other farm news anytime at HoosierAgToday.com. Still more to come here on Hoosier Ag This Week. Stick with us. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. Trust. It takes time to obtain and just minutes to lose. Hoosier Ag Today is proud that over the past 18 years, we have gained and maintained the trust of Indiana farmers and farm families. On any given day, almost half of all the radios in trucks, barns, farm offices, and farmhouse kitchens are tuned to Hoosier Ag Today reports. The number one trusted source for agriculture information in Indiana is Hoosier Ag Today. Today, timely, relevant, credible. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm CJ Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. Indiana dairy producers will be meeting soon to share ideas and discuss policy priorities for this year's federal farm bill. We try very hard to be a united voice for dairy farmers in Indiana. And that's R.A. DeYoung with DeYoung Family Farms in Jasper County. He's also the president of Indiana Dairy Producers. They're hosting their annual forum at the French Lick Springs Hotel February 7th and 8th. It's for dairy farmers to come together to socialize and to listen to various speakers 
lots of information that'll be useful to dairy farmers uh, to bring back to their dairy farms. Also during the forum, DeYoung says Indiana dairy producers will discuss policy priorities for 2023, including those for this year's federal farm bill. One of the biggest things in the farm bill for dairy farmers specifically is a price formula change that took effect in 2018 without input from dairy farmers. And that ended up backfiring very badly on dairy farmers. When the pandemic hit, it caused huge price swings that had significant negative consequences that from 2018, no one would have seen that coming. And clearly it walloped dairy farmers of all sizes. And that needs to be adjusted or countered so that that does not happen again. You can hear my full interview with Ari DeYoung as part of the Dairy Download podcast presented by American Dairy Association Indiana at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, some exciting news from Huntington University as they team up with Purdue University to launch a new dual degree program in veterinary nursing and animal health. To my knowledge, it's the only program across the country like this. And that's Nate Perry with Huntington University talking about a brand new major that's being offered as part of a partnership with Purdue University. It'll be a dual degree, a concurrent degree offered at the exact same time where our students will earn a, uh, an associate in applied science and vet nursing from Purdue, delivered digitally to our students while on campus, while they're earning their bachelors of science in animal health. So uh, these students will be uh, full involved for you know all four years on campus going to our chapels being a part of our campus community but having these wonderful uh, experts from Purdue that will be able to teach these courses in vet nursing while our students are earning their dual degree in this Bachelor of Science in Animal Health. He says Huntington University has a new facility to help students get hands-on experience while earning this dual degree. Two of our spaces specifically the Don Strauss Animal Science Education Center uh, right there on campus million dollar animal science uh, center that space will be where not all our, our animal science students spend time, but then also our vet nursing students will be able to do some of their work, their mentorships, and hone their skills on campus. We also have a cattle operation in Whitley County, uh, about 15 minutes from campus that we're operating. And then whatever we can't fill, uh, you know, we'll, we'll use some of the area of vet clinics. We'll be able to do some of those same types of work there. To learn more about Huntington University's new vet nursing and animal health dual degree program with Purdue, visit huntington.edu slash agriculture. Well, each year, Indiana Pork puts on a special event in downtown Indianapolis to highlight their industry. Hoosier Ag Today's Eric Pfeiffer was there. He even dressed up and wore a tie for their fancy event. A comfy pork belly on yeast cornbread and gooseberry jam. I have prepared a Asabuco-style pork shank. It's called ramen, all pork, no nudes. So it's crispy pork belly, a meatball that is ground bacon and ground pork, all tossed in a ramen demi sauce, and then crispy pork rinds and pickled cucumbers. Those were just a few of the dishes of many from professional chefs at Tuesday night's Taste of Elegance at the Indiana Roof Ballroom. The event is put on by Indiana Pork and encourages chefs to get creative using all parts of the pig in their dish. This year's winner was Dean Sample, executive chef at Fox Garden Kitchen and Ale in Fortville, with his dish. Pork tenderloin Wellington, 
that I made a pickle duck cell, which is traditionally with uh, mushrooms. I did a mustard aioli. I did a root beer glazed pork belly. I also made pork rinds with the skin that I crumbled over the top. I made a little bacon vinaigrette with a frisée salad. And I made some uh, bacon fat fried potatoes, so kind of like the French fries. Sample is originally from Paragon, Indiana, where he grew up on his family's corn and soybean farm, where he learned how important the hard work farmers put in truly is. Literally, I'm the first person in my family not to be a farmer. So, like, yeah, so I, I get it. He says it was his grandmother's delicious home cooking on the farm that inspired him to be a chef. Sample really enjoys cooking with pork. The one thing I love about pork is how versatile it is. So, I mean, if you have a cut like a pork chop versus ham or a ham hock to accent some green beans or, a, you know, a pot of beans versus the main stage of a pork chop or pork belly or pork cheeks when you get into more obscure cuts i mean there's not really any other animal that has that many different kinds of textures and flavors within one animal sample won a one thousand dollar cash prize from indiana pork and will continue to work with them on future cooking opportunities i'm eric pfeiffer thank you eric and if you missed that story or any of our stories featured on this weekend show you can check them out at hoosieragtoday.com don't forget to like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at hoosier ag today well that does it for this week's edition of hoosier ag this week enjoy the rest of your weekend for andy eubank eric pfeiffer and chief meteorologist ryan martin I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's most listened to farm radio network.